Hello, welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the new BBC and HBO TV adaptation of the books, currently airing every week for the next eight weeks. Except not, because we're on episode four. (laughs) (laughs) Be warned that there will be spoilers in these episodes for Northern Lights and the other books in the series. So if you haven't read the books yet, come back and join us when you're all caught up, or listen to the book episodes. Yay. Hi. Hi. Oh my god, I'm not seeing you in ages. So long. I literally have been living at Faye's house for the past few days, pretty much. (laughs) It's fun though. We yeah. had we had fun. We did a record yesterday. We watched the TV show together for the first time. Yeah, usually I just get like excitable WhatsApps from Faye if yeah. we manage to watch it at the same time. But and yeah. what an episode it was to watch at the same time. Such a good episode. I loved it so much. It's my favorite episode so far. I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> like legit. Just keep going back to Lynn and his singing and Hester and how sassy she is. <laughs> oh my god. So we set up the mic. Um, because we were recording together, so you we might intersperse some of our reactions during this uh, episode of us just screaming about Lynn. Oh, oh, there's a balloon! Balloon! Ah! He's doing a sing! Oh my god, Lynn, he's singing! I can't! <laughs> Wee! <laughs> Yay! Yes, harmonizing with your demon. Oh my god. Excited. Screaming about Lyra. Screaming about Yorick. Oh, he's so mad. He's so angry. Wait, if I see how they make him friendly looking, I think eventually. She's not scared. Oh, she's a little bit scared. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> little flincheroo. I've grown up saying Ayarek. Yeah. And we've had this discussion on Twitter with um, our friend Charlie as well. Mm-hmm. She's always said I or Ek. Yeah. Reading it. But it, it Yorick does make sense. There's kind of like a, a pause before the Y. Like, yeah, I'm, fa- I'm it fine sense. with it. I'm fine with it. I'm down with it. It's probably easier and like less faffy to say it that way. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Yeah. I'm over it. It's okay. <laughs> I've been I've been wrong for all these years. God. Yeah. Um. So, just we open with Lynn and in his balloon singing. Yeah. With Hester, and I was like, Oh my God, he's singing! He's singing! He's singing! Also, ah. imagine being a singer and being able to harmonize with your demon. Oh my God. It was so cute. Oh. I mean, while we're on the subject of Lynn, I know we will talk a lot about him, but I'm just gonna. Go straight into this. So he did, you guys might have seen, um, he did a Reddit AMA mm-hmm. about Lee Scoresby. And a lot, in fairness, a lot of the questions are about Hamilton and other things that he's doing. But there were a few about his star materials and uh, him playing Lee Scoresby. And I want to read a, a couple out. They, are, I mean, we do give spoiler warnings at the beginning of this episode, but they are quite spoilery. So if you haven't read the book, If you're like, oh... 
I'll listen anyway, it'll be fine. It won't be it fine. It won't be fine. We're going to spoil some shit right now. <laughs> so leave and come back when you've read the books. Um, so somebody said, hi, Mr. Miranda. I'm Aww, curious. <laughs> Mr. Miranda. <laughs> Not sweet baby He sounds love. like a Jacqueline Wilson character. <laughs> or like a, yeah, like a Roald Dahl character, yeah. Mr. Miranda. Yeah. They said, hi, Mr. Miranda. I'm curious what made you interested in, in being a part of his dark materials. What really drew you to the material? Well, and he put... I just love these books. It's a fascinating world. It's a gripping coming of age story. It's wrestling with big fat themes of oppression and freedom and sin and life and death. It's all the things. And then he said, I think I've said this before, but the song When the Sun Goes Down from In the Heights was inspired by one of the final chapters in the third book, Amber Spyglass. (laughs) Without spoiling it, and I'll think of you every night at the same time when the sun goes down. That's a reference to a certain bench in Oxford. (sighs) We... Totally have plans to visit that bench at some point. Absolutely. Um, whether that'll be a spoilery bonus episode or whether we'll make ourselves wait out until the time comes. Oh, someone's doing some music <laughs> right next door. If you can hear a really angry saw sound. Oh my god! Someone's doing some really intense stuff outside. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll cut that out okay. if we if we can. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we do have plans to go and and see the bench in Oxford yeah. at some point. <sighs> I read this and immediately sent that quote to Rach and I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> like in capital I'm, letters. I'm just crying. Okay, I'm crying. Fine. <laughs> um, and then there was another one, uh, which was good. Basically, somebody asked, <laughs> somebody asked Lynn, are you excited about piloting a hot air balloon? And if you had a demon, what would it be? And he said, the hot, the hot air balloon became my home away from home. I loved it so much. Even though I mostly lived in a green a green screen studio. Oh, yeah, true. And then he said, my demon would, e- would either be a bookworm or the NYC pizza rat. Oh, pizza rat. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Um, yeah, there's loads more. Like, I recommend finding that Reddit AMA, everyone that's listening, because it's great. Especially if you're into Lin-Manuel Miranda in general and, like, Hamilton in the Heights, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, but... I won't read any more out because I could read it forever and, you know, that's not what we're here for, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lynn's singing. And I just really liked Lynn. And and I know it's not surprising anyone that's listened because I've just been fucking gushing about Lynn forever, but I honestly think he did such a good job. I wasn't certain about him when I heard about the casting, when I saw the trailers. I wasn't sure because I had always imagined Scoresby as so much more of like a... Literally, like, you know, the stereotyped Texan character in The Simpsons, almost. Mm-hmm. Especially because I was reading it as a kid. Yeah. The thing that came into my head was, like, Stetson and proper, like, Cow Lynn's kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but done a really good job of that. One of the AMA questions was, how did you deal with doing the accent? And he was saying, mm-hmm. like, he's got family in San Antonio. Yeah. He's got loads of family kind of, like, close to the border and, like... Texas is kind of in his blood so mm-hmm. he found the accent really easy and I'm like yeah great perfect like yeah. he's got the right he's got those roots there for me to be like you're believable yeah and then the moment when he'd been in the bar fight and Hester was like well what the hell was that good for Lee and he was like ah oh, like three watches and two wallets yeah and I was like I like this I really like this yeah. cheeky Scoresby like I think I, I'm i gonna love him mm. he has brought some much needed comedy into it um, the first three episodes, although they were good, and although the books, obviously as a whole, they're not comedy books, but mm-hmm. you do need that comic relief sometimes, and he's brought that. I think that's what made me so excited about it. There were like little quips and stuff that he was doing, yeah, like trickster with a heart of gold. Yeah, um, 
on board. And yeah. he brought like also brought a new side of Lyra out, like the little like cheeky like fun side Steely of Lyra. Megan. Yeah, like <laughs> <So> we <we've, laughs> we've not really seen that yet. She's quick, and she stole my bacon. <laughs> in this episode, in general, we saw Lyra. Um, we really saw the cleverness of Lyra and how clever she can be. Like when she figures out how to get Yorick on their side, and she knows what to do. And yeah. She, it feels like she's finding her own a bit more as well in terms of like, I hate the word bossy, but in terms of being like a bossy kid. Yeah. And like starting that kind of boisterousness coming out of her of like, yeah, I'm just going to tell the grown-ups what to do. Like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to John Farr. And of course I'm going to go and like sort out a bear for the group because yeah. that would be fucking cool. That made me really like think, uh, here's Lyra from the books. Yeah. She's finally here. Because she has been quite almost meek up till now. Yeah. She's been very quiet and reserved. I think it's because there's so much happening in the general story. And even though Lyra's the main character, I don't think she's been, I don't think she's gotten lost, but I, I do understand what you mean. I think because everything, there's well, so much going else's on. Everyone performances are so powerful yeah. as well. Yeah. It is easy to get lost, even if you're doing a really good job. Yeah, definitely. And oh, it was just, I'm sorry, it was just such a good episode. I loved it, it so was. much. It feels like we're properly into it as well now. Yeah. Like, we've done pretty much all of the world building, exposition-y stuff that mm-hmm. needs to be done. Everyone pretty much knows now if they've not read the books, they kind of understand what demons are at this point. Yeah. And all right, now you've got to get on board with bears and witches. But like, (laughs) they're now like, they're not just drip feeding you the world as a concept, they're drip feeding you the story and the characters that you need to progress the story and not just the world, Mm. which is really good. What did you think about Yorick? I liked him. Yeah. I did. I did. The voice was just the right level of intimidating. Yeah. In the sense that, you get a feeling that he could be a friendly bear because obviously I think Lee describes him as being his best friend. So it's like, mm. well, clearly there's something with this bear. He's not just a brute killer. Um, so we kind of know that already. But then when we meet him, he's so like gruff and his voice is just really good. And I think it gives you that sense as well. So even if Lee had not come in and said, he's my best friend, you kind of get a vibe he doesn't immediately attack anyone, does he? He doesn't immediately attack Lyra. So you're like, okay, this is an interesting character. Um, yeah, I, whoever does the voice, I'm going to... F- oh, here we go. Joe Tandberg. Yeah. I think he's done a great job. Mm. I don't know what kind of a... If they've put... They must have put some like extra effects on his voice and stuff. Because Definitely. no human can sound like that. He's done a few video game voices, this guy. So mm. he must be kind of used to working in that environment. And I think... They've not put so many effects on the voice that it doesn't sound like it's come from like a natural source. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's nice. I know that when they were filming as well, they had him there playing the bear um, rather than (laughs) having them just talk to nothing. Yeah. Um, There's definitely some videos out there of how they filmed the bears and how they've done that, that I have, I've been really overwhelmed recently by the amount of stuff there is to consume that we're going to have to do like a bonus episode where we yeah. go, oh my God, we watched all the bonus features finally yeah. and we have thoughts. There's so much content, so, so much. much. Yeah. Even just our Twitter feed, because obviously we follow lots of his dark material stuff and the content is just madness. You're scrolling through it and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. I literally can't keep it. <laughs> yeah. I find it overwhelming. And like, I also like to kind of form my own opinions before I like 
read too many other people's opinions yeah. because then you can find yourself like not knowing mm. where you first stood. Yeah, it'd be nice to look back on it when the first series is finished Definitely. and then go and look back at all that content. Yeah, they did a really good job. I quite liked his armour. Yuffa mm-hmm. um, Ragnarsson's armour. Um, we only got to saw his helmet, mm. but that's swanky and weird. Absolutely. <laughs> and also, it's just so interesting that they've chose to put him in so soon. Yeah. Well, we find out in the books that he knows Mrs. Coulter. Mm. Um, but obviously, we only meet him when Lyra meets him. So yeah. it's nice. Again, they're kind of establishing that like preamble of the story. Yeah. So that we know what's happening before Lyra meets him, which is good. Exactly. And we had a brief conversation last night about how when Mrs. Coulter goes into um, the cave where he is and you can't see her demon. Yeah. And we were chatting. Oh, I wonder why that is. Did they just choose? Is it a goof? Did they choose not to do it? Did they Did they not have the budget for that scene? Yeah. <laughs> or did they um do it because we know that they can be quite far away from each other? Did they do it because we know that uh Yofa wants a demon? And she doesn't want to offend him yeah. by being around him with her demon. Yeah. Especially yeah. because she's trying to really trying to get on back on his good side. Yeah, and... it's really weird to see her. She's obviously using her power, but it's in a way that's kind of she's having to deliberately like be a little bit more simpering and yeah. like suck up to him a bit in a way that we've not seen her have to do before. She's been very like she's owned her own power in every other scene. Yeah. She's been like controlling people in a way that's di- very different to the, what we're seeing from her in this, which is. She contains multitudes, yeah, that lady. Yeah. <laughs> and I just looked down at my notes and saw the bit where Mrs. where she slapped the demon's hand away, a little monkey. He just wants to hold her hand. <laughs> I we had to like go back to that bit because I saw it and, and just went, ah! And Rach didn't see it, and I was like, we have to go back and watch this again, because it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, I was busy checking something on IMDb, I think, <laughs> that I've obviously since forgotten, so it can't have been that important. And I was just like, oh, yeah. and he looks so, so sad. sad. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to hold her hand! <laughs> what is she so mean? This is, it's, it's bringing up so much conflict for me, mm. because, like, reading the books... You proper hate the monkey. Yeah. Like, he's a little dickhead. He's a little monkey prick. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Liam, yeah. He's a little monkey prick. But then, like, yeah, they've given him this really interesting, sympathetic vibe in this where he's still doing horrible stuff, but Mrs. Colt is proper mean to him. Mm. I don't know what it says about you as a person. If you're that mean to something that's, like, it's literally a part of your soul that lives on the outside, why are you being so cruel to it? And, like, there was a moment as well when she's kind of rehearsing what she's going to say to Yoffa. Yeah. That he almost looks like he's going to say something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. We like, never hear the monkey talk. And she just doesn't let him talk. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's such a tease. But yeah, they <laughs> totally did that on purpose. So I think it was last episode, or maybe the episode before, um, where Lyra gets the Elysiometer to work. And I was like, oh, we need more information about how she can just do it. And yeah. they gave us more information yeah. in this episode. I really liked that. And I love the shots of the Elysiometer when she uses it. Yeah. I think it looks so beautiful. And it's a really strange shot for a TV show. It's very cinematic. It is. I like it because you could easily skip over the Elysiometer if yeah. you wanted to. You could just be like, she's read it, whatever. And she could just say what she's read. But it's nice that you have that thing of like slipping into that 
trance-like state mm-hmm. with Lyra when they like show the shots of the alethiometer working. It's yeah, nice. it looks really nice. When Far Decorum is asking her about the alethiometer and they're walking through the town right in the beginning and she's just got it out. Like yes. it's no biggie oh. when she's been told to keep it secret. Oh. And it's, it's like, there's only it six of them in the world and the magisterium controls them really closely. And so I'll just wing it around. And they can all see them looking at her as well. Yeah. Like, they're not that fucking stupid. And we're just like, put it away, love. Put it away. She's just showing it to bloody everyone now. She's fucking whipping it out, everyone. Whipping it out. <laughs> Speaking of the magisterium, the actor that plays that guy that Lee Scoresby interacts with mm-hmm. is Dudley Dursley from Harry yeah, Potter. It's, it's Diddy Diddy. And you thought that we were going to go an episode without mentioning Harry Potter, but... No, sir. <laughs> it was given to us this time. How could we? Not a thing. We can't even help it. The character's name is Sisselman, mm-hmm. and he's played by Harry Melling, Harry who did Melling. play Dudders. Oh. Little Diddy Duddy. And then in this, he gets his face nearly stamped by a bear. Yeah, but he is being a prick. So. Yeah. I... Oh, I loved that moment where Lee Scoresby comes back in and he's got, uh, Yorick's got his paw on um, that guy's face. I forgot his fucking name. Sisselman. Sisselman. <laughs> Sisselman's face. And Lee's like, you having fun? Looks like it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Just fucking bash him. <laughs> Into a puddle. Oh, shit. Oh. Sorry, Dudley. No, Dudley. Ah. <laughs> uh. I mean, great moment for that actor, getting mauled by an imaginary polar bear. Yes. Back to Mrs. Coulter. I can't remember what bit it was in, but she did that really sarcastic slow clap. <laughs> A yes, sarcastic that slow clap. clap. She was chatting to the guys from the magisterium when she they were like, we're going to shut you down. She was like, uh, no, you're not. And also, you're going to do me a fucking favour while you're at it. I fucking love that. She's so great. He was right up in her face, and she just literally went... <laughs> I was like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, it seems to be her thing, though, because she did a little slow clap when she went to visit the children as well. Yeah. She <laughs> loves the slow just, clap. She just slow claps her way through life. It's a thing. It's a thing. Brilliant. We see uh, Father Coram and Lyra um, have more intimate moments... We hear about Father Coram's son with Seraphina Peckler, and oh my god, his performance was so good. It breaks my heart. Oh. It breaks my heart. Because I love it from the books. I love him. He's like a lovely, like fatherly, grandfatherly figure. Mm. Um, and like he's so on Lyra's side the whole way through that, yeah, it just breaks my heart. And it was acted so well. Yeah. God, when he like literally breaks. And he's like, I can't even, I don't know what he says, he's like, my son. And it's like, oh, Oh, God. Just, yeah. I know I keep talking about how much I love this episode, but Liam didn't watch it with us us last night and he wants to watch it and I'm so excited to watch it again. Yeah. Nice. I told him it was the best because he was like, oh, maybe I'm not bothered. And then I was like, it's the best episode. Yeah. He's like, I was like, there's a bear. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Also, I realised we had this conversation outside of pod mm. um about whether father Corum, whether his name is father Corum, yeah or if father is like um a term like a term of like, or like a respect like calling um somebody, somebody auntie or yeah. uncle when they're not actually related to you or like you calling someone that's like a, a matriarchal figure even if they're not your mum calling them mom yeah um 
And I think it is because okay. when Serafina Pecola's controversially changed demon, Ooh. which we will get Ooh. to, um, flies down, he full names himself and reintroduces himself, I think, or the demon full names him, and it's not Fardacorum. Ah. It's something else. I think Fard is an Egyptian term of like okay. respect and endearment for your elders, potentially. That's interesting. I did wonder that in the book as well. I wonder if we, when we get to it, there'll be something that, that says that, because I can't remember that being a thing. But maybe it is. But yeah, I suppose let's talk about the demon now. Rich was outraged. I was. I mean, it wasn't as big as Hairgate, I don't think. Mm. Um, but it's just really interesting. In the books, Seraphina Peckler's demon is a snow goose, mm-hmm. which is like it's a goose. Yeah. And then they've made it some kind of hawky thing, which I looked up what it was. It's like a Gaia hawk, right? A Gaia something. It's a cool bird and stuff. But where's my goose? Where's my goose? <laughs> Changed much since last you saw me, Kaiser. Oh. You have Coranban. I thought he was a goose. I thought he was a goose. I'd love to know why, because there yeah. was obviously a decision made there. I said, well, I think you said, but there, there's a lot of neck with a goose. Maybe you want to be able... hard to make him look serious, yeah. but... And real? Maybe. If CGI, like, or, like, facial expressions from a goose might not be the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Um... If anyone see... knows why they've changed the the demon, let us know. I was checking Twitter avidly to see if everyone else was as outraged as I was. Nobody seems to really care. <laughs> I did see some today. Okay. Yeah. I'll only like in. only a few. <laughs> yeah. And maybe because it obviously airs in where we are recording this on Monday, and obviously it airs in the US tonight. Yeah. So there might be more comments True. on that kind of stuff. I'll wait for everyone to be out, as outraged as I am. I saw somebody <laughs> tweet um, and somebody that was upset about it and the gift that they used was the little goose from the Untitled Goose Game. Aww. Which is a great game if you haven't played it, people. Yeah, maybe, maybe they didn't do a goose because they were like, mm, geese are pretty meme at the moment, aren't they? It's like goose memes. We don't want to introduce more goose memes to the <laughs> world. going to meme our goose. <laughs> yeah, could be that. But yeah, it's just kind of, I've always pictured him as a goose, and it was nice that it's a goose that's not evil, because most geese do tend to be dicks Mm. in life. I grew up in a little village, and there was definitely like a long driveway um, that went onto a road that I often had to walk down to get to my friend's house, and there would be geese there, and they'd like proper, they would see you come in, and they would run up to the fence, which was like properly had to be reinforced, because they are (laughs) evil, and they'd proper like shout at you and hiss and... You've got to watch out for geese. So maybe that's it. They were like, no, geese are too evil to be allowed to be a witch's demon. Yeah, I remember (laughs) when I used to go for a run and they're in Burgess Park, which is near where I live. There's um, a bit of a big... A pondy bit. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say, is it too... It's a bit too big to be a pond, but what else would you call it? It's a big pond. There's loads of geese around there and they always used to like menace me when I ran past. (laughs) They'd all like come up to me and I'd be like, oh my God, it encouraged me to run faster there. So They've got really scary beaks as well. Like they've got like crazy recurved barbed teeth going on. God. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't want to bring that into the world. True. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have a note that just says ratty. Rude, right? <laughs> so this is when Lord Boreal is talking to the... Is it Fra Parvel? The guy from I mean, the Magisterium that reads the Theometer, who's dealing yes. as a rat. Yeah. And he just keeps calling him ratty, which is proper rude. It's like, if your demon was a cat, would you just be like, catty? 
The way that he says it, though, is really... Come now, Ratty. You mistake me. Ratty? Rude. Remember, I know what kind of man you are. Ratty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds me of Asriel when he's like, everyone's special. It's very, like, really immature. Very immature. Also, he was implying that Fra... Is it Fra... Fra Pavel? Fra Pavel? Fra Pavel. There you go. Played by Frank Bork. Burke. B-O-U-R-K. Burke? Bork. Bork. Uh, I just introduced <laughs> another thing for us to not be able to pronounce. <laughs> but yeah, implying that he's got like a shameful secret. Mm. He's like, I know about your filthy predilections or something. So he, the way that he's phrasing it is really... It's... Do you know what that is? I, I don't know yeah. what that is. I feel like he's either implying that he is secretly gay or that he has like, or maybe it's going down the whole like Catholic church, like paedophilia. Oh God. Which I, I kind of hope it's neither because no thank you, gay shaming, you can fuck off. Mm-hmm. But then also, please don't bring up paedophilia. Yeah. That's not great. Maybe we just, <laughs> maybe they literally just use that yeah. as a way to get him to agree to whatever Boreal wanted and we'll just yeah. never hear about it again. I mean, who knows? Maybe his, maybe in the Magisterium's eyes, this guy's secret is just that like he thinks heretical things or he like yeah. collects heretical paintings. I don't know. Like I'm thinking like Stephen Fry's character in V for Vendetta yeah. where he's got his yeah. like big collection of like mm-hmm. banned items. But I don't think it's that. And also, when they were getting really close together, I was just like, kiss, 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 kiss. And then I heard what he was saying, and I was like, oh, maybe don't kiss. No, maybe but, don't kiss. <laughs> but if you if you turned if you uh, if you turned the TV on mute when mm. you're watching that scene and you didn't know what they were saying to each other, you would absolutely think they're about to fuck. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like Boreal is literally just looking at him up and down, like really sensual, like really close to his face. Which makes me think maybe the reason he knows this guy's guilty secret is that. They've they did they've done it they've done it in the past maybe and then that also confirms my Boreal and coffee shop man who Mm. I can't remember the name of Thomas Thomas there you go (laughs) yeah they could be getting it as well (laughs) ooh I would like that speaking of sexual tension I I'm gonna throw it back to Lynn and just talk about how hot he looked because he looked super hot (laughs) and I can't right Coral hi Coral. She, she listens and she loves it when we shout her out. Love you, Coral. <laughs> um, she listened to the episode where I was like really conflicted about how I now think that, think that Lynn's hot. And she messaged me and she's like, didn't you always think he was? I was like, no, like, I don't know. Like I, like I said I before. I always thought of him as a friend before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> literally exactly that. And now I'm like really conflicted because like if I look at him on other stuff, like on his Twitter and stuff, I'm I, I'm not... I don't, I don't feel it, but I think it's, I think it's him as Lee Scorsby that I'm mm-hmm. totally into. He has a, a few really like nice little wry smiles going on, and when he's like hanging off the balloon, the one that we took the picture of with us in the background. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, and what I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed his balloon entrance. It was very maybe Johnny Depp's not the best character to talk about, but. I think about my teenage kind of obsession with Captain Jack Sparrow and that whole thing of his entrance scene being him singing as the boat is sinking, pulling into the harbour. Yeah. And like, yeah, Lee mooring that air balloon and um, casually like walking through the town, lighting a cigarette in an oil dock. It was very Jack Sparrow lands at the port kind of vibes of like, here is your like badass 
sky pirate <laughs> essentially um or not sky pirate because he's i don't know that he does much looting i mean he did do some thievery in the pub he did but um yeah here's this entrance of this like swoon worthy mm. piratey character kind of making a cool landing yeah rocking his way into a little town did we talk about the bar fight because we like, did not but i loved it oh, <laughs> oh hester yeah giving like notes on what to do in the fight that was great i love how hester finds a way wherever she is to get up high and i guess yeah. it's so the character can like eye level talk to, mm. them, to them um but i like that like i think as a small demon it's nice that she tries to get up high wherever she is because like when they were finding Iorek and she Yorick <laughs> whatever um and she like uh, climbed up some of the shelving so that she could be yes. at the right level yeah. like I like I like that I like she's finding space for herself yeah kid I when there's a um a shot where Lynn is leaning against the bar and I was like he's wearing two belts <laughs> and if we have that audio we should insert it right now okay <laughs> Learn your secrets. He's wearing two belts. Um, <laughs> grubbing for shady business. <laughs> <or> two belts. <laughs> I am simply after a bear. I feel because it was the best episode so far. I weirdly have a lot to say about it in the sense of that I just want to praise it, but I don't have a lot in terms of like not critiques, critical but, analysis. Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. like I fucking loved it. Because I did. Like, I just thought it was great. True. Oh, Pan as a, um Arctic fox was super cute. His little white wiggly bum yeah. was so cute. Yeah. I was talking to Johnny because he dutifully watched it at home mm. without us because while well, we watched it together. And he was like, oh, was he a sheep at some point? And I was like, I don't think he was a sheep. He was like, when they were walking through the town, it was just dead fluffy and white. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it was a little fox. <laughs> but I like to think that Pan would make a really cute fluffy sheep as well. Yeah, he would. He also, would. he tends to like to be a white animal. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm. Like, yeah, a little white ermine, which seems to be his go-to, which I enjoy because it's fucking cute. It's so cute. So. It's so cute. It's like that in the books, though, isn't it? He's he's most of the time he is a little ermine um, or like a ferret thing. Mm. He does move. He does change more in the books because it's easier to change. Obviously, change the whatever the form of a demon is in the book rather than a TV show. They've only got the visual effects team have only got so much time on their hands. They can't be doing it all the time. Mm. But I do like and because he's just so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. I have a speculative question about the next episode. Mm. So as always, the next week on or coming up on His Dark Materials was super long mm-hmm. and like quite a lot of stuff. But I'm intrigued to know because the title of the next episode is um, The Lost Boy. Oh, is it? Yeah. And the implication is that it's going to be that chapter where Lyra finds the boy in the fish shed. Yeah. Um which we know in the books is little Tony Macarius mm-hmm. looking for his demon, Ratter. Now, we've noticed that when Billy Costa was looking for his demon because she'd kind of wandered off or whatever, or he was talking to his demon, he was calling her Ratter. So I yeah. think they've blended the characters. But does that mean we're going to have the fucking heartbreaking scene of that kid in the shed being Billy Costa? Because mm. I don't think I'm prepared for it. Yeah, I, It would make sense because it's a child that we know as viewers 
why would you have just a random child? You you want to pull on people's heartstrings like that with it being a character that we've already seen. I think yeah. it does make sense in like visually and from a TV show perspective to introduce a character and then have them have a horrible story and, and see that unfold, yeah. much like Joss Whedon likes to do. Yeah, stop killing people that have already formed an emotional attachment to you, please. <laughs> I'm also intrigued to see what happens when things get snowier, mm. when we start to head further north um, to Bolvanger, which they conveniently translated for us. They did. To, like, the evil place or something. Yeah. It was very um, on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see how they do with animating demons in snow. Yeah. Because yeah. that that shit's got to be hard, right? Definitely. Doing, like, paw prints in the snow and stuff mm. when these animals are essentially imaginary. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was another thing that we briefly talked about last night, which we haven't mentioned yet, and that is the fact that the Magisterium seems to be more involved in what's going on so far, especially in this episode. So we were saying that with Yorick and his armour, it's actually, in the books, it's actually just the townspeople that are holding the armour. Yeah. But in this TV show, they have made it that it's the Magisterium. The Magisterium seems to be everywhere. Yeah, and they've got a massive presence in the, in the town. Which I guess it makes more, it makes sense as like a nice linear plot device to be like, this is the main baddie. Yeah. This is the government baddie. They're going to have to be everywhere. It's not just the general human beings being rubbish and like taking advantage of a bear by getting him drunk. Poor, yeah. poor Yorick. Um, but it is the Magisterium. Like they have these sinister motives and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then making that Mrs. Coulter's doing as well, because she takes credit for it. I don't know that it has anything to do with Mrs. Coulter in the books. We'll find out when we get there, because it's an intricacy I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember it being a thing. They just want to make the evil people as evil as possible, yeah. which is fair. Because otherwise they're just like a random churchy government operation. Yeah, Because yeah, in the books, I suppose you know about them, but you don't actually see that much of them, because obviously it's from Lyra's perspective. So you hear about them as a threat and you see them sometimes, like obviously like Lord Boreal and stuff are in the mm. books, but it's not as much of a presence as it has been in the TV show so far. Going back <laughs> to the witches' console, because this is the first time that we've really heard about witches mm-hmm. and we've kind of skimmed over it thus far. Yes. Um, it was kind of cool to see Lyra essentially getting to find out about witches, but not having actually met a witch. And also not having that much of a reaction to there being witches, which obviously, do we know that she knows that the witches are a thing? I guess they're just a fact of yeah. the world. But I, bit, I thought she would be a bit more excited to potentially meet mm. witches. I really loved the Cloud Pine cellar. Yes. And it's not what I'd imagined. Because I feel like in the books, whether it's how it was described or not, I imagined like a yard that was almost like the stables and everyone's Cloud Pines were like, Stacked like broomsticks against the wall. Yeah. But it was a cooler concept to have it like, here's the basement, here's how I contact the witches. Yeah. Here's a sprig of cloud pine, this is hers. Like, mm-hmm. I quite liked that. And the room looked really cool. Like, I was, I yeah. was about that set design. Definitely. And we have um, the... What's his name? Dr. Lancelius. Mm-hmm. We have him to thank, really, for us learning more about how the Elysiometer works because he asks her to um, figure out which one is Seraphina Peckler's. Yeah. And we get that's where we get a bit more of an insight into 
how it works and the bit before where she's talking to Father Coram about uh, when I use it I just go into a bit of a trance and then I can use it and then it's nice to see it in action and also see that there are other people in different places in the world that are interested in alethiometers and know what they are definitely I liked the um, the alethiometer library that um, oh yeah, Harvel had that yeah. was just like a massive room full of books, and the lovely little illustration in the book that he had open of like the alethiometer and the symbols and the positioning of the hands and like because I'm trying to think the way that it's described to us and the way that Lyra's kind of describing it, you're almost like, well, yeah, you just look at the pictures and go, I guess this could mean this, yeah, but there's obviously something more to it than that. Some, if there's yeah. so many bloody books to have to and do. And the fact that he said it takes it, it'll take him weeks to get yeah. any kind of answer. And that's for a question that could be quite simple. Yeah. I'm intrigued by Mrs. Coulter's question. Mm, yes. Is yes. it that she doesn't realise that she's Lyra's mother or does she want to know who Lyra is? In the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Mm. Is she Has she realised that Lyra's got more importance than just being her child or yeah. Azrael's child? Yeah. Is that what she's asking? I think maybe it is the latter because when she asks a question, the uh, the guy interrupts her and yeah, he's and, like, "Oh, surely you already." And she's like, yeah. "Shut up! I'm asking the question anyway." Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's the latter. I think I remember something to do with that from the books, and I'm excited for when we get there and when she gets that answer because I also don't know that I'm correct in my memory, so I'm not going to say it out loud on the podcast in case I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Interesting. We're left in a cool place. We're headed north. Mm-hmm. The crew. The crew. We've got a bear now. We've got Lynn manuel Miranda now. Yes, we have. It's like, it's properly, we're going somewhere. And we're yeah. kind of, people keep saying like, we're going to battle, we're going to war. Mm-hmm. So I actually feel like we could, I was thinking, how are we going to reach the climax of this book when we've got, so this was episode four, right? So yeah, there's three, three left. Uh, eight in total. No, five, five. Five? What? What is wrong with me? There's eight in total. Yeah, eight in total. And that was four four more to go. We've got four more. I can't count. (laughs) What has happened? Well done. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they're going to cram a lot of stuff in, but also I feel like we're making good progress. Yeah. Now now that we've got Yorick and and Lynn Lee, (laughs) sweet baby Lee. Yeah. thanks for listening we'll be back next friday to discuss the fifth episode of the tv show and we'll be back on monday with our discussion of chapter four of northern lights the alethiometer until next time bye 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 Bye. (laughs) Bye. thanks guys bye thanks bye Yeah. Thank you. Oh, put that on the podcast. <laughs>